We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What a Handed to him by club and manager with beautiful goal against West Brom. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. A lot of people, a lot of people were against bringing Willian to the club in the first place. A lot of people fell out with Willian during the season. I think it is safe to say that Willian has proved those people wrong. That Willian has repaid the faith shown to him by the club and the manager. And uh, we have something really special on our hands. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. He's still a disaster, but it's kind of funny. He scored a beautiful goal and uh, good for him. It was fun to see. We relegated Sam Allardyce. So think about this. All the clubs, he's coached, what, seven different clubs in the Premier League? I think seven jobs he's had? No one's ever relegated him, except the gargantuan elite club that is Arsenal Football Club. And in relegating him, we moved ourselves from ninth in the Premier League up to ninth in the Premier League. So, everything's roses. And now we get to play Tuchel's Chelsea on Wednesday, and Arteta can prove once and for all that he is the better manager and we're the better club. And I fully expect that to happen. And here to discuss all of that with me, plus the odds and ends that are going on around the club, I assure you we will make this entertaining for you, uh, despite the the whole season not mattering anymore thing. Uh, Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Okay, <clears throat> some big announcements coming up. We are on the brink of announcing a live event uh, that I am so excited for and that I think we really have... Uh, well-organized, laid out, thought through. And uh, for those of you who are able to attend it, I think it's going to be something really special and a way to sort of bring us all back together after what has been a a very, very challenging year. And I think something that we all deserve. So that's going to be coming shortly. Um, A lot of you have left reviews. So next week, I'm going to pick a couple at random. We'll send you a few shirts. So if you want to leave a review uh, at Apple or wherever you watch, Spotify, whatever, watch, listen, Spotify, whatever, um, whatever review you want to leave, five-star would be cool. But 
I want it to be honest because honest feedback is always great. But either way, um, we'll be picking a few at random and sending some people shirts because I have been remiss in asking for that. We really do uh, need them. So thank you so much to those of you who have done it already and to those of you who will do it in the future, Mom. Um, and that's <clears throat> that's really about it. So we played Chelsea midweek. We beat West Brom at the weekend. I think it's fair to say it was kind of half a performance. We had a, a really exciting first half that was kind of fun, and um, the left side in particular was interesting. We'll talk a lot about that. And then maybe drifted a bit in the second half, uh, let West Brom back into it a little bit. But you know what? It's all good. We're going to be doing a lot of sort of squad-building discussions as we go forward. We're going to be looking at loanees. We're going to be looking at players whose contracts are getting ready to expire, the direction that the club has to go, um, with an eye towards the manager as well. Going to try not to make every podcast an Arteta in, Arteta out podcast, because that would just get tedious um, over time. And there's probably going to be a lot of that that's needed anyway. So let's start first, though, with this particular game. And Clive, I think one of the things that has created a bit of a debate is how you should use four essentially dead rubber games in the Premier League. Now, look, I do know that you get a couple million pounds extra for each extra finishing spot in the league. Some people have mentioned to me on Twitter that if we finish seventh, we could be in the Europa League. I don't think that's correct. I believe the furthest down the table it goes is sixth. Do either of you guys know for sure? Because I think the FA Cup winner gets in and the fifth place winner gets in. But if the FA Cup winner is already in European competition by way of their place, then it goes down to sixth. Is that is that I'm how you understand sure. it? I'm just looking at Spurs. I'm wondering if we can catch them. And that's the same thing. That's what I've been yeah, thinking Tottenham about. Really. So, so, I was looking at the table. I don't think we can catch Everton or Spurs without a Well, and if you look at the fixtures, miracle. you're going to be even less sure of it because I think yep, they, that's they what have. I mean. yeah. Yeah, so, well, so, so let's put it this way. Aside from that, there is a, a genuine debate, I think, to be had about how to use these games, what the right way to use them is. And Clive, there was a lot of discussion. I, I lost the run of myself on Twitter. And by the way, all of you were obviously blocking me on Twitter. So you wouldn't know this, but I do tend to lose the run of myself on Twitter. That's my uh, verbal diarrhea zone. This is hopefully where I rein it in a little. Somebody's saying, no, you don't. Clive, how do you feel about how he should use these games and how he lined up in this game? I I really did get kind of frustrated, especially about Ceballos. I mean, his red card costs you a European final potentially. I mean, the manager had a big hand in that too. And he's gone in four games, has no future at the club. And, you know, some people have said, well, what do you want him to do? Shaq is not available. Party's fatigued. Aziz played it the, you know, two days earlier in a, in a reserve game. But also, Willian, you know, do we need to see more of him? Where's Reese Nelson? And how do you think, how do you react to him putting out some players that I think we would regard as not necessarily needing to see any more of them for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, when that team came out, and I'm not a lineup guy, but I must admit I was on the edge of blowing up. And because <laughs> I, love I it. just thought, new Clive, it's a whole new Clive. <laughs> I just, uh, I just thought, oh my gosh, is this, this, is this it? Is this who we are? And um, and then I immediately go to, to to reason as I do, probably too quickly for some, and thinking, oh, we got Chelsea on Wednesday night. That's why, like, you don't put out a bad team against Chelsea. And uh, then I'm thinking about Aziz and Balogun. They played on Friday night, found 23s and a 2-2 draw, which was very important. Both played 90 minutes. Not going to see them. Jack has got, I don't know how he managed to do his groin in the pre-match warm-up. So great. So that means he's out. you got party. You've got a little bit of rigor mortis from running around like an idiot against Villarreal. So he's probably been safe for Chelsea. <laughs> it's all here. The climb I've been waiting for is here. He's, it all <laughs> he's all been safe for Chelsea. And we got these bright young talents out of West Brom and Newcastle, two players that could have easily played in those positions. One we never tried in midfield, and the other one 
none of us ever fancied. Now he scored four games in the, on the trot. We all sort of revising our opinions. And so I'm not sure what else he can do. And I'm not a Tobias fan, as you well know. Um, but I don't see what else he could do in, in this scenario from the Tobias thing. The William thing has been well documented. Um, I, you know, it's a deal that we don't, I don't particularly like. It's really interesting that he was running around like a two-year-old and guess who our next game is against? <laughs> Maybe he fancies playing in that game, you know? And um, and it just makes you wonder, but that I'm hoping that we can get an exit and rumours of the OLS really fill me with um, positivity, but people know I'm overly optimistic, so there you go. So I'm not sure what else he can do given the game we had, the game that's coming up. In principle, Elliot, what you say about Zabias is absolutely right. Absolutely right. But maybe he could pay Bellman at fullback and put Chambers in midfield and just say, you're done with it. It's over. And, and he could do all those things. He can move people around. But in this case, I just think, you know what? Here's what it is. We're downhill to the season, end of the season, and just take it on board. I, I don't think that Arteta can be too criticised for not playing youngsters because it's the youngsters that have saved his season, saved all of our seasons, to be honest. And we give youngsters a lot of minutes. In fact, as we spoke pre-pod, I'm worried about us putting too many minutes into some of the youngsters. So um, while they're adapting still to the the physicality and robustness of men's football. But um, yeah, it's a tough one, mate. At the moment, Arteta's in the washing machine. So whatever he does, he ain't working. No one's listening. People are hurt. They're scarred. They're damaged. Whatever he says, whatever he puts out, it's not going to be right. So I just have to ride this one out. Yeah. And I mean... The, there's a couple really difficult situations to assess. Reese Nelson obviously being one of them. And to be clear, I am not suggesting that there is some future messy Mbappe hybrid hiding in the squad that we are not giving minutes to. I think it is a question of whether you can use this game to say, look, you haven't had preseasons. It's rare that you get Premier League minutes you can give to people in low pressure, low leverage situations against weak opposition and get a sense of them. Um, you know, and can you do a bit more of that? I guess you could say, look, if he wanted to play the four-three-three formation, giving El Nenny the entire base of the midfield doesn't fill anybody with excitement. But then you can pick two eights instead of a, a second central midfielder, so you can leave Sabios out and give the Sabios role to someone else. You know, and then you have the opportunity to play someone like Reese Nelson if you want to, or, or another player. <clears throat> I, I think people are itching also to see players like Balogun. Aziz, they played for the reserves again, obviously, but it is just a reflection of the frustration and tedium that we've experienced with some of these players that were started in this game. Now, to be fair, the game started out really, really well. I mean, for the, I mean, no, for the first 10 minutes or so, it started out really bad, but I think we played well in the first half, and Paul, it's pretty obvious to say that everything we did well early in the game and in the first half of the game came down that left-hand side. West Brom had no answer for it, and and I'm, I'm hesitant to overanalyze what it means when a really bad and relegated team makes you look good at something. Because it doesn't mean you would have looked good at it before. But we talked a lot about how to line up in that European semifinal. I know Andrew from Arsblog, obviously, very vocal about wanting to see Saka as a left back. Well, we did get to see it. And opposition notwithstanding, it looked pretty darn good. They had no answer for it. Every time he overlapped, he was in space. Um, had a number of really dangerous crosses that just didn't quite find someone. He was... He was devastatingly effective. So, I mean, 
first of all, if you want to talk a little bit about, about the performance itself, certainly, and also if that this gives you any frustration about it not being a solution we looked to try previously. Um, so, like, the performance and this game, I mean, I don't buy the it's a dead rubber. Um, like, it's a dead rubber for a lot of people, but it's not a dead rubber for Arteta. Uh, if you're Arteta, you're going to put out a good team and you're trying to get a decent result. And that's a balance, right? He's He's got two, three different factors going on there. He needs to rotate for Chelsea. Um, he needs to play good, fo- good football. He needs to be honest with the Premier League, right? There's relegation. Um, there's promotion. There's other things going on with other teams. Um, and, and, like, you don't want to signal to your team that they're basically on vacation or he might lose four games on the trot. Then see how his job looks going into the summer. <clears throat> so I think the idea that he could have played anybody and it didn't matter is wrong. I also think the idea that he should vindictively punish Sabias for the fact that the guy got a red card or what was a soft yellow, even if he had a stronger challenge earlier in the game, doesn't make sense to me. Um, we should we wouldn't have half the team on the pitch if you were vindictively punished for the fact that you made a mistake at some stage. I don't think he should signal to players that because they're low knees, they don't, they don't matter. Um, I don't know who else he should have played instead of Sabias. Um, in terms of the playing Willian, maybe we should just shun him. I mean, we own him for three years. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't play Willian in this game. And I don't think I don't see why whatever we plan to do with them in the summer or whatever he plans to do, you do anything to undermine the relationship there. Um, you know, he had a pretty good game. He, he scored a scorch of a free kick. Um, he's good at certain things. We may well own him for a couple more seasons. So I think if you're a manager and you're in the hot seat that he's in, you you got a lot of things going on. And like, uh, I, I personally, I think it's fine to question all the choices. Um, it's just, you, you can't put too much mustard on it because if you were in the hot, if you were in the hot spot, you'd make your decisions. They wouldn't be everybody else's. So mm-hmm. I thought the lineup, I mean, like whatever, really, um, he's got to do what he's got to do. And he, there's the stuff we don't know about the stuff, you know, fitness, uh, where people are at mentally, all that kind of stuff. It's just like I have no problem that we question it. It's just how much mustard do you put on it? Um, like the performance was good to say that West Brom are crap. Well, they are obviously a bit crap, but they've been they've been giving teams a lot of trouble lately. So it it wasn't a nothing team we were against. Somehow we managed to absolutely pummel them along the left, which brings you to probably your more favorite part of the question, which was the Saka thing. Yeah, it was awesome. And yeah, <clears throat> the, the the decision to base the, the run into the critical games around Chaka left back, I, I've less of a, a, a concern about whether it was Saka we played there. Like, I don't know why we dropped Cedric. I know he screwed up. And cost us a goal, but then so has Chaka on a number of occasions. And in fact, we've conceded a couple through Chaka left back, even though he's done admirably well for a non-left back. I mean, which defender, which which player in the the bottom half of the field for us in the last couple of months hasn't 
uh, screwed up and let in a goal. There might be one, maybe two. Um, and he was generally fairly good. So there were two options, right? If Arteta, uh, rather than playing Chaka, I don't get what the upside of playing Chaka was. What tactically did it do for us from a positive standpoint? And if he didn't want to play Saka there, which I understand in the first one or two games when we were swapping out for Cedric, maybe Saka was coming back to full fitness and maybe you don't want to run him up and down that wing. But after a game or two, why not Saka? And if not Saka, because you want him up front, why not Cedric? It, it was it was a massive contortion of how we were playing. And again, I don't know what the upside was, apart from he didn't have to play Cedric at left back. I mean, a bit more distribution from the left corner. I mean, so what? I mean, you don't you don't change everything over for that. And yeah, him, uh, Willian combined quite nicely with him, Sabias zipping a few balls to Saka, uh, all made some nice triangles. But yeah, Saka tore it up and they didn't really adapt to it. And, uh, you know, what, four or five balls through the corridor of uncertainty and uh, Smith-Rowe got on the end of one of them. Um, Martinelli could have got, and Smith-Rowe could have got on the end of another one. I mean, we just absolutely ripped them one, uh, tore their epithelium. Um on the uh, the left-hand side of the pitch, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> and I enjoyed it. And I mean, like, so the, the only thing, I'm going to say take issue with, but that's stronger than I mean it, Paul. No, go for it. The, the only uh, thing, look, I know lots of people agree with your viewpoint, and I, I do tend to I find myself in a right. minority. I disagree with that strongly. <laughs> okay. um, no, I, I just think... A lot of so, people agree with me, Elliot. <laughs> that, I, I, that is definitely true. Look... The point of a coach is to try to win the game in front of him. You just, it's, you're never going to get a coach to say this game is meaningless. I fully acknowledge that. The point of a manager, I think, is a little different. I think you have to think a little bit more in terms of like, can I use these next four games in a way that position me to be more competitive next season? Can I learn things for next season? Can I enhance value of some of my assets? Can I start to identify the direction we're going to go? I'm getting four games here in the Premier League. That's a lot of information I can learn. That's 360 minutes of Premier League football. It's it's learning something. And and so... And, I, and yeah. I'd like to keep my job. I, I get it. But all right, so this is important. That is a self-serving goal, right? That is not necessarily an Arsenal goal. So I agree with you. He needs to win the next four games to put himself on solid footing. And I, I how could I say to him, don't worry but, about that? But it's not just self-serving. I mean, what state does he leave his club in if he goes into the summer and we've lost the last four and people say he's lost the dressing room and maybe he is starting to lose the dressing. Like, he can't... Perf- per- success begets success. You can't say, oh, it's... It, See, like, I, I disagree with that personally. Yeah, no, you do. But mm. like you got you got to play good football. See, so you ca- I don't. You can't can you explain why you players think a, and have them sitting. Like I don't mean just, this. I don't mean this. The could, first six okay. months of the season was mm. him, was him having a bunch of players around who weren't happy, weren't getting played. Like you can't just fucking throw a spanner in the wrench with four games to go and think it's like you definitely can't throw a instant. spanner in the wrench. Let's agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> spanner in the works. Maybe aren't a spanner and a wrench the same thing? Uh, no, they're not. What's no, a they're different. You're thinking of a lever. Mm. What's a spanner? Uh, it's like a a wrench, 
but fancier. <laughs> uh, sorry, okay. more working class. Any, okay. Any, anyway, sorry. Um, no, but 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 Paul, what I mean is like, so for example, you, you often hear the argument, oh, they need to play well this game. So you know, going into the big game, well, like we played well against Newcastle going into the second leg of Villarreal, and it had no benefit. Like I, I, I am it's personally a not argument, a, though. Yeah, of course, it's a sure. Different argument. I, and again, you, you, you got to play good football. You got to at least try. You to. should try to. And you sure, can, but, you, but you can't tell. You can't have Danny Sabaya sitting there well, for the next four games. You can't have mm, Willian sitting why? there All when right. you haven't worked out whether he's going to be there next I don't year. Get now, no you got to play fight. him. I don't want to get into a big fight, but I will say. This is a manager who's had no trouble freezing some players out. So the idea that he now can't freeze out Ceballos, who's four games away from being done at Arsenal, and just made... I mean, he has frozen he players out for did. smaller mistakes what than, than Ceballos' red card. No, he hasn't. Sure he has. Who? He's frozen tons of players out. No, he hasn't. He's frozen them out for good reason, and he didn't want them back. Well, well, I, I would submit that your Arsenal career being over, having gotten a red card in a European semifinal... And your Aloni, who basically had a come and get me plea to Real Betis in midweek, is a good reason to not need to use the guy the rest. I mean, look, we, we, look, we just aren't going to agree there, which look, is fine. Mm-hmm. The, the come and get me from Real Madrid. Real Betis. He knows we're not re-signing his loan. I mean, yeah, but the he's point out. is he's not committed to us. Why do we need to be committed to him? Just move on. It's fine. It's four games. He's, Give he's it to someone player. who's got a future look, at the club. Gee, Elliot, we needed a midfielder. Why are you going to freeze him out? Like, we actually needed a guy to stand there, and he's the guy. Why would you not play him? To make a point? To be vindictive? No, not, not to make a point. Be- to use someone, anyone, who you could learn something about, who has a future at I the could. club. I mean, literally any player. I don't, I don't care who it what is. What is the point of playing any player in a position they don't play to learn something well, no, about No, I don't them? mean a position they don't play. You I- wouldn't actually learn anything. Okay, well, L- let's like move on. Uh, we don't agree, and it's fine. People, people Look, in the comments can... you can put can... me out there. You're not going to learn anything apart well, from I'm shit at football well, or that I was surprised you picked me on the day. <laughs> and that's learning something. And I had other things to do. How about you play Danny Ceballos because you're not a vindictive bastard? Well, maybe first of all, I think he sh- I think he may be a vindictive bastard, and I don't think that's always a bad thing. Look, we're just not going to agree. I think playing Ceballos in any of these next four games is criminally stupid, but we don't agree, and it's fine. Like, well, it's not criminally stupid. It's I another it choice. I think it is. I, yeah, you do. I do. But almost nobody else thinks it's criminally stupid. I think we will find out it. in the comments. <laughs> I think think we are about to find out if people think that's criminally stupid, but we're massively bogging down. So let's let's not do that. Look, my 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 point here, Clive, is simply that these and and by the way, I don't think it's incompatible. I agree with Paul. You should try to play good football. You should try to win. Is playing Reese Nelson over Willian committing to playing bad losing football? No, it's using a different player who could potentially be quite good and still play good football. So, like, I don't think saying we should use different players is the same as saying totally throw the game. I think what I'm saying is the stakes are low enough. I realize when the stakes are at a fever pitch and everything matters like life or death, it's hard to pull the trigger on some difficult lineup choices, personnel choices. When the stakes are a little lower, and we've seen it. We've seen a lot of young players get their first appearance under Arsene Wenger, for example, very end of the season, top four locked up or whatever the case may be, and, and some players were blooded. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I think he used Mavropanos against United once, which is a pretty big game, to be fair. All right, so so Clive, one of the other players though, that we can discuss is Martinelli because this is a thing we got to look at. We got to look at Martinelli playing center forward, and I think he may have a future there, and I think he's an exceptionally talented player. It didn't happen for him in this game. 
what do you, what's your take on this? I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are reading tea leaves quotes and how he's being saved and how he's been used, and we've seen him through the middle a bit, that believe that Martinelli's future is a center forward. And I've been one who thinks that it can be. This is just one little data point, but on this data point, it didn't really seem to fit him comfortably. So how do you feel about that sort of experiment and another bit of data that we can put in the books on on whether Martinelli at center forward is a, is a thing for the future? Yeah, I think it's a good thing that he tried to do it in a, in a Premier League style. And if you're saying we should learn something about players, I think that was his learning exercise on the day. I think if Shaka's fit, then I don't think Tobias plays. Um, and so, yeah, Martin, centre forward, what he sort of said, he can play both positions. And my feeling is at this age, where he is, I think the more room he's got to see things and arrive in, that you know, you should, you should lean into his mobility. Mm. The fact he can go from one place to another quite quickly, and he's got a real desire to move into zones. If you stick him in a central zone, his brain says, I'm here, central pivot. I need to be available for my team when they've got the ball, and then I'm going to turn around and press when we haven't got the ball. You know, I think from the side, what's been really encouraging about him for me has been how he receives the ball and how he keeps the ball and how he can create. I think that's really important because then he can play in that inside left slot can still arrive into the box because he just gets there really quickly. But his ability to receive it wide, come inside, pop it off or put a cross in for his right foot was good. We've seen the left foot cross for the assist and goal. We've seen him do things in a creative way, which really makes me think the right footer from the left is a position which I think is key for us. It needs to be a scorer. Now, I was always thinking uh, in Hazard type, you know, a real creator scorer, more of a midfielder, midfielder than a forward. We used Aubameyang out left for a lot. It worked until it didn't. Particularly when we play three at the back, we need that square, that two behind and two up top. Two up top, the way Chelsea do it, is they have two tens really up high behind the centre forward. We use the centre forward out left, and it seemed to work because we hybrid it in behind Martelli, from the left, is an interesting player. Martelli may develop into a forward. Martelli coming on the last half hour to be a second forward in the central zone because we're 1-0 one one down. I just think it's part of his development. I, I'm, I've, I'm really encouraged by him from the left, really, because I just think he's so effervescent. I just think he can really he bring something to the group just by the way he plays. And he almost determines our football identity and the pace by which we play at. And so I think he's becoming increasingly influential. I do think some Arsenal fans, including myself, I'm not, I do go overboard sometimes with younger players, but I've been a bit reticent on him. But it's hard to hold back that excitement because he, particularly from the left, I think he's really, really good. I think there are better options at centre forward. I, I honestly believe that, also, we all know Aubameyang's the best guy there, in my opinion. Uh, Lacazette's obviously had a good, strong season this year, but we're not sure about his future. Balogun's not really someone who can play from the outside. You know, he's going to be a central cog. Whereas Martelli can do both, and I think we should encourage that flexibility. And um, But don't get hung up that he didn't have a great game at 19 against big West Brom. You mm-hmm. know, a couple of big players there. He's not the end of the world. Cavani overnight, right? He's got to learn yeah. those movements from his It's not the end of the world. I think it's a... It's a really absolutely poor. I think it's a really good learning experience, and sometimes we're quick to shut these things down. And we know we must encourage this, this experimentation. We must encourage it because that's how you develop people. 
No, yeah. So, um, his his personality, though, I mean, you see the the desire to just go score goals and get something from the game, Clive, because like he he curled one over the right corner from outside the box. He dove in the two sack acrosses, one that he just missed getting a toe to. I think it was just sort of a near missed day for him. And also the way we use the center forward is very, very different. There's there's a I don't think it is just sort of your standard run in behind and go score goals type thing. It's drop in, connect the play, then run in behind. It's a little more cultured. And so I think it's going to take time for him to figure it out. Um, not to can mention... Can I add that, a quick yeah. thought? Yeah. Um, not, to, not to open up the can of worms we just closed, but like one of the benefits of playing an established midfield, even if you don't love it, if you're going to play an experimental striker is that's where your experiment is. If you experiment in two different places at the same time, one might argue that uh, you're not really giving Martinelli the platform that he could play from. And Can I, I think, stop you for one second? I think no. that's a strong. Um, I think that's a stronger argument. I that that okay. argument to me yep. logically makes more sense than just don't freeze the guy out to be vindictive. Like I think you make a really good point there, which is if you want to get a good look at Martinelli, the striker, you need to put a little bit more of an established group of players around him so that you're seeing him not in some rotated U23 reserve type team. I, that that to me is an argument I can I can totally understand. Clive, it sounds like you want to come back on that. Yeah, I think you've you've now you've now got the film. You've now got him in a Premier League start. You've got the film to see what he can do. He can go back and analyze it. He can improve his game. This was a big day for him. You know, seeing a forward start for Arsenal. That's, it's a big day, right? So, um, and from this day, he'll create a new base for him, maybe a different way of receiving the ball. This is where you get your detailed analyst coach to talk about body position and things like that, or his movement. Every game you can learn something. And I'm really encouraged. A few weeks ago, he wasn't getting starts. You know, he's getting starts now and he's really becoming more influential. And as we expect some summer turnover this year, he's going to go up the pecking order. It's down to him. He's not the sort of kid who's going to sit around and wait for other people. To, <laughs> he's going to, to rip that shirt off their backs. You know, yeah. so, um, so yeah. Can I add a bit? Yeah, please. So mm-hmm. one of the things I've really liked, because we were all sweating why Martinelli wasn't playing, but you could see from his body language, even if he only got 10 minutes or 20 minutes, like he seemed really into it. So I kind of chilled a little bit that maybe him and Arteta are on the same page. I think the same was true with Pepe, where we weren't seeing enough of him, and I was concerned. But I, again, looked at the body language with Pepe when he'd get on the pitch or or, or you'd see him out and about. And in this game in particular, you, you know, he didn't have – he struggled a bit against their – back it took him a while to get going i think he was maybe a little better than i on on the rewatch i think he was a bit better than i thought he was i think he did a little better he had some good switch passes and some other stuff some good connectivity stuff but he was patient and where previously you might see his head go down in this game he seemed to stay positive the whole time and his work rate defensively getting up and back and stuff he's grown over the last season and um I kind of hope, like, I, I think him and, and Arteta are on the same page. And I think uh, Martinelli and Arteta, I mean, there should be a lot of good coaching on, going on there, given Arteta's time with Sané and with uh, Sterling, um, working with those guys to teach them their roles and their paths. Because Martinelli's 
brilliant but raw and we all know that right he's got one of his problems is that he he kind of has the cheat code of speed and power and uh, energy which can lead him into bad habits because coming up through the the leagues in brazil or kind of the minutes he's got for us he's been able to do great things without necessarily always being in the right place and following the script and the fact that he has the chance to learn how to do it right to learn the movements to learn the routes the learn to learn the positions the interplay with other players is what you're looking for and he seems to have stayed very positive during that and his reward is he gets a shot up front as a striker, which will develop him. Yep. I, I mean, the the interesting thing about about Pepe is I'm not I'm not convinced he had a great game, but of course he scores a, a, a Galazzo. And like the the thing that's hard for me, Clive, with Pepe is that that always seems to be in there with him. You know what I mean? And so for a team that struggles to score goals and has struggled all season to score goals. I find myself with a little bit of the Alexis conundrum with with Pepe, but not as good a player, which is he's going to do a lot of things that drive you crazy, but he has that capability to produce really extraordinary end product. Now, not at the level Alexis did. Alexis is a much better player, but Pepe has that in there. One thing that I thought was important for his goal is that Chambers makes the overlapping run to take the defender away, which when Bellerin was playing, they, they seemed to kind of get in each other's space, which was no good. So how do you evaluate a player like Pepe who... In terms of ball striking and finishing things like that, like he has, he has the sensational in there. I mean, I guess every player has it to some extent, but I feel like he's someone who can consistently produce some end product. But he has periods of the game where he just really struggles. The thing that surprises me a lot is when he's in midfield, like when he's carrying the ball forward, he has no trouble beating guys. But in the final third, he doesn't really beat guys one v one a lot. He gets the ball taken away from him. So, did, did you? sort of struggle to come away from this Pepe performance with any clear feeling, or are you just thrilled by the goal and you think that that's the story? No, the goal was nice. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you if I was to ask you, you know, when do you feel more excited about him, it's probably when he's around the box, you know, probably around that area. Because I think he's a very good first-time striker of the ball. You can obviously shape it from the right and left. His ability to, to kick a football is actually quite good. Um, I listened to Adrian Clark say something actually, and I, I'm working this player out still. I think I want to get excited about him, but then when the moment comes, he doesn't always show. And Adrian Clark sort of said something I thought was very astute. He sort of said, in the lower games against lower opposition, Pepe's absolutely brilliant. He hasn't made to impact the higher level games yet. I'm not sure if that's statistically true, and you may know Elliot better than me. I thought that's a good that's a good way of judging. Maybe he just got to, you know, again back to knowing your players. Against some of the lower teams, he has done well. He's done really well in Europa League. He's been really influential, and he's building, uh, you know, he's building a CV at Arsenal. Finally, you know, um, let's forget the cost, right? We know what happened. We know the story. We know it's thirty mil over the top, but it is what it is, right? And we, I don't like the way that William squashed his minutes. That's but that's on my mind a lot lately. But he has been. He's if you look at his numbers, they've been okay. For the time he's had on the pitch, they've been quite good. I think, you know, the best front three statistically is probably him, Saka and Aubameyang. Probably. Not so sure with Aubameyang this season, but I, I'm fine with him. I just don't think he's as devastating maybe as we all hope he can be because he shows such flickers of talent. And when he, when you stick that in the top corner like he did, and then next minute you, you kick a ball out or don't trap it, or the, 
that disparity is just too big for some people to deal with. And they just say, nah, not for me. You know, um, personally, I think he's, he's improving. If an offer came in, I always ask myself this question, if an offer came in for 40 million, what would I do? You know, um, I'm not so sure. Maybe what would you, maybe a question for you, Elliot, but mm. what would I do? And that really, that really is a defining moment to say how much we really like him. We're two, two years now into the plan with him. Um, he was just coming to fruition in the last thing. It's been, again, it's been a unique time. No one in the grounds, no crowds. We're judging him based on not normal circumstances. New, three new managers or two new managers? I'm not too sure. Um, no, three. No, two managers. Well, Freddie as well, right? So a couple of new managers, different different priorities, moving him around. It's been a bit tough, but this calendar year, I think he's been a little bit more consistent, particularly off the ball. He works hard on occasions, really hard. I still can't tell the day he's going to be dialed in 100%. I still can't tell the day for how long that dialing is going to last. But there is a talent there, and it just needs to be managed appropriately, put in, put out, trusted. I think there's something more there. How much more? I'm not really sure. I'm generally not sure anymore. But there's enough there to play for Arsenal, that's for sure. And if he's trusted, I think there's more to come. I think there's more leadership coming out of him, more responsibility, much more accountability off the ball. We can get him to take those tall shots a lot more, really make him a scorer. He needs a new message from my mind. Rather than be a creator, try to be a scorer. Now, we need more goals. We've got to change people's mindset and tell him, I want 15 goals from you. That's what you've got to get to. Change the mindset, goals, take shots, get in position to take shots. Don't stand in easy positions. I'm talking less about him being on the touchline as I used to do about six months ago. I'm still, I'm talking less about his starting position now because he's into more better areas. So more of that to come. I think we'll see a bit more. How much more? And I'm, I'm really not sure. But it may never satisfy the people that say 72 million, but the talent is definitely improving. Yeah, what a fascinating question. I mean, Paul, I'll just put it to you because I think it's really interesting. What if there was a $40 million offer for Pepe? Would you take it? Uh, like if I'm... If, yeah, probably. Um, like, I think the issue is, do we know what to do with $40 million? <laughs> and Or do we use it better? That's, but yeah, assuming we had our shit together, can... I don't know he's a perfect player for us. Uh, in terms of style, he's coming along. Like, um, I think the news out of this game was not that he had a great game, it's that he had a kind of a, a challenging game, a bit of a mixed game, but he stuck with it all the way along. I still think that just his his application, the kind of focus and energy he brings is a little off. So, yeah, I'd take the 40 million and go and get myself the player I really wanted. But he's he's imp- I think he's come on in leaps and bounds in terms of his application, like his shooting, his finishing's always been great. Um, but his staying in the game, his work rate, his, his uh, sticking with the plan, I think he's got a lot better in the last few months. And he's starting to become an important player for us. I mean, he's playing in the sense that he's playing the important games. Um, that wasn't the claim, the the uh, situation earlier in the year, and it wasn't just that we played Willian. It, like, there's a reason we got Willian, and it had something to do with the fact that two managers uh, were struggling with where Pepe was at and whether he could deliver what we needed um, on the wings. I mean, we had him and Saka. Saka's a kid, 
and there was no guarantees he'd perform at the level he had the previous year. He's actually kicked on, which is great, but you can't play him all year. And we had Pepe, and like Emery didn't rely on him. Um, Arteta didn't feel uh, he could rely on him, and I don't think he brought the maturity and the consistency to the game that those can be your wing options. So um, there was a reason he wasn't starting every game at the start of the season, but I think he's come on a long way in six months in terms of his application, his mm. consistency. He's still yeah. not there yet, but he, he's a different player to the guy who was playing in whenever October when the season started. I think you'd have to sell him for $40 million. I hate to say it. I, I think you do because I'm not sure I see a scenario where he's going to be worth more than that. And I think... I don't think his output has proved to be enough to make up for the shortcomings in his game technically and in terms of consistency. And I think you could commit to Saka being your right winger. I mean, he's 19. He's already amazing. He's the starter on that side. I think you could then find more opportunities to play Martinelli on the left and work him in more consistently. I think you still have Aubameyang, obviously. You have Balogun coming through. I think that leaves you a little short across the front line. I mean, William's still there, so that solves a lot of problems, obviously. LOL. Um, but I think with that $40 million, can you address the 10 permanently? Can you use Smith Rowe as one of those wide forwards on occasion when you need to? Can you address central midfield You know, with that and some of the additional money? I think those are all fair questions. I think, um, I think you'd have to do it. Because I don't... Look, he's never going to be 72 million pounds. And could he go somewhere and absolutely go supernova? He could. He's been here two seasons. And he hasn't he hasn't created quite enough end product that for me it justifies the, the shortcomings in his game. Now, that's not to say I don't love him. I have consistently said I believe in his talent. And I think he can be an exceptional player. But every player has a price. And we have to start to get sharper about that. Clive, b- before we um, talk a little bit about a squad building issue I want to ask you about because it's it's kind of making the news. With respect to this game, um, I, I think the, the Saka thing is so interesting to me because I, I don't think he, he's going to be our left back for the future. I don't think we want him to be our left back. He's the kind of player you can plug him in anywhere and he can look pretty good. But, I mean, do you have a frustration watching this game and seeing how it sort of revitalized him to some extent? Because I think he was he was sort of going through it a bit. I mean, I didn't get a chance to ask you, so I'll just ask you quickly. Did this performance leave you with a little bit of a sense of regret that it wasn't a solution we tried sooner when there was more on the line um, in, instead of, you know, the Shaka left back thing and then half fit Tierney? I mean, would you would you have preferred? I mean, it's so easy to say in hindsight when he's just had a stormer, but do, does this change your attitude about what what went before? Yeah, it's, it's a hindsight thing. You know, I I didn't fancy the Cedric at left back, so I'll be straight there. I didn't fancy that. I wanted the left footer out there. The Shaka thing I understood until Everton came along. I thought we need to change this. I mean, my view has been consistent. I, I would have gone to more of a, a back three type shape. I would have played Gabriel, Mari and Holding. Mm, yeah. And I would have just, I would have moved up that way. I would have kept my left footer on that side because for me, it was always important to bring the emphasis of the game forward and engage higher up. By putting Shaka and Party in midfield, what you have is you have the ability to go and engage the play and then create transitions. And Arsenal are a broken field team that transitions quite well. We're not very good at low blocks. We're not very good at slow build-up. People shuffle in. We're not good in the air. We need to be through teams, down the sides, really quick, bang, cross, 
or get people broken field, driving through the middle, slip passes through lines. So to do that, you need to go and engage the game. So I said to myself, okay, I left my back four. Doing Everton, have four centre-backs at the back. Don't care. Shaka and party there. Front four diamond, go and get it. Go and get the game. So I would have done that. So I'm honest with you. But when you see this system yesterday, and the way it sort of works with Chambers more tucked in as a right-back, you've got your two centre-backs, you're exposing your quickest left back to the biggest distance in Gabriel. So when Saka goes, he goes. You can imagine that Shaka playing on that side, just feeding him down that left-hand side. You have an inside forward on the left-hand side who now naturally tucks in, create triangles. It's more, more what we used to. It's easier to replicate. And so it must be frustrating for people who said this from the start, let's do this, to watch that work so easily. And Saka makes football look easy, doesn't he? You know, he just does his little overlap. He keeps getting in. What? Well, what's happening? Why can't you stop him? I know he's going to do it. You can't stop him. He's just so quick, so sharp. He's just so clever how he moves. He reads the player on the ball. He knows when to go. He drives. He commits to his runs. Then it's yesterday when he arrives, he arrives calmly. He's got a lovely flat-footed cross. He strikes a ball. The ball's got messages on it. I mean, what's not to like? He lost a little bit of form on the right. You did spot his earlier, and he has. He's been crowded a little bit on the right. He's forced to play a little bit deeper. We weren't progressing on the right. Is it fair to say our right side's been a bit of a challenge generally versus the left for whoever's been out there because the fullback situation's been so varied and that that side's just not as strong generally? It is, and so we lost Louise and the right-back situation. Mm -hmm. We lost Louise, and he just dropped over the tops and Saka ran straight onto it, and now he can't do his first-phase run. You know, the sort of thing that Bellerin did in the first, in one of the games, first phase run, I think of the games, I can't remember now, but he first phase run cross goal against Newcastle. That sort of, David Louise pass, that sort of, what it does, it makes Saka think, I can only do one thing, I've got to come short. They know he's going to come short because no one else can kick it down that right-hand side. And they smash him from behind. So he's lost the variation of service. And so he has to then come short. And so he's now becoming almost like Pepe was at the start of the year, receiving it in crowd seats, dropping it off. You know what I mean? We immediately freed him up on the left-hand side. He can see everything in front of him. On his left foot, first-time crosses, it's just, it looks so simple. So the right side is a problem. You, you know my thought. I've been talking about the right-back situation for a long time. The right centre half situation needs to be resolved. As soon as we get that, we can judge people who are playing on that right wing. I mean, Saka had a, he had a bad game against Villarreal, and I don't want to critique... It's hard to build relationships sometimes with Bellerin, particularly when there's no service going from behind. Rob holding service into Bellerin was was shocking. Bellerin had to make the most of it. He's then giving bad service to to Saka. He's having to make the most of it. Odegaard's invisible, so that little triangle's now disappeared. Bang, we lose the right-hand side. No ball progression. It's always cause and effect. Our superstar, we criticise Saka, but he's our superstar, let's be honest. He flips over and life is good again, you know. So um, it's it's a challenge, but we've got rebuild to do, haven't we? And it really does that right-sided defence and how we pair up in centre mid will ignite the talent that we have in the top end of the pitch. But we must create that base before we see that. Yeah, and I mean, okay, so <laughs> well, let's do this. L- let's get to some breaking news um, because then I want to talk a little bit about asset value, about comments he made about Smith Rowe, which I think are really interesting. Um, and maybe a little bit about this big summer transfer kitty and 
who on earth we trust to spend it. But as I said, there's breaking news. Clive, are you are you up to date with this, with the breaking news? Um, I'm not sure. I'm Paul, now Paul are you up to date with the breaking news? I'm absolutely not up to date. Oh, good. Okay, the well, then we're, we're all going to learn about this together. Breaking news. Manscaped has released the Lawnmower 4.0. <sighs> oh, it's my right, goodness. The Lawnmower 4.0. You heard me right. I did not stutter. It is the Lawnmower 4.0 available for purchase. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. To be fair, in the copy they gave me, they said that I should say this is your pubic service announcement, which I'm most certainly not going to say. I would not say this is your pubic service announcement. It's ridiculous. Oh, God, I've said it twice. I'm one of the first people who got to try it, by the way. It's awesome. Oh, my God. It's great. So, first of all, if you travel at all and travel is coming back, it's got a lock button. I know this sounds dumb, but, like, it's a push button. It's this beautiful, smooth design thing. But if you don't have a lock, it can be in your little travel bag. And if it gets pressed, it can start buzzing and manscaping the inside of your bag. You don't want that. It's got a lock. Travel lock's got a 4,000K LED spotlight on it. Turn it on and off to see what you're doing. You want to see that area. It's pretty. Look at it. Look at it. Be proud of it. Come on. Why not? It's got four different sizes of guards. That's new. It's got a great gloss finish. It still has the um, uh, ceramic blades, the skin-safe technology, the long battery life. But this battery now, it used to have a little plug thing that had to go in in the stand. Now it's just an induction um, wireless charging system, so it protects the battery life longer. This thing is, I mean, I don't like calling a shaver stunningly beautiful, but it is stunningly beautiful. So I have to, you got to get it. It is the lawnmower 4.0. If you've been waiting, if you've been waiting and I understand why you are, now's the time. I mean, it's just the time. We're getting closer and closer to that live event where we're going to drop our pants and compare Manscaped. We're not going to do that. I'm going to stop saying it because people are going to do it. We're not doing that. But go to manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision, manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision, ArsenalVision, manscaped.com. I speak too fast. Get 20% off free shipping. 20% off and worldwide free shipping with the code ArsenalVision at manscaped.com. They have one last line on this copy that I could read, and I'm not going to read the last line. The last line, I'm fine saying pubic service announcement. I draw the line at this last line. I'm not going to read it. If you want to get in the comments in the mention somewhere and ask me what the last line was in this copy, I will tell you it can't be said. It literally can't be said. But the Lawnmower 4.0 is awesome, and you should own it. Arsenal Vision is the promo code. Manscaped.com, 20% off free shipping. Clive, is that enough? I don't know why I fall for your tricks. I was literally searching news now, Arsenal. For <laughs> <laughs> mission uh, mission accomplished. Mission I should know better. Clive. Oh, I should know better. Clive, Lawnmower 4.0. That's big breaking news, my friend. Okay. Um, so, Paul, let me start with you. The, the Smith-Rowe thing. He... Hmm. So after Thursday, he made some comments that kind of obliquely, I think, suggest he was frustrated with Smith-Rowe missing the chipped opportunity. And he made some interesting comments after this game. He says, he's, you know, he's, this is, so I want to be careful because I think the way this was done is really interesting. The the way the quote, you know, reading quotes and seeing them, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing the actual physical gestures, whatever you want to say, facial reaction is very different. But he... He makes the point, he's asked, you know, oh, Smithrow got his first Premier League goal, are you excited? And he says, that's part of the reason why we are where we are, essentially, because it's his first goal. And that an elite number 10 at Arsenal should have 15 goals and 10 assists. Now, what I would say is, mate, you've been watching Kevin De Bruyne too much. We have not had a 10 have 15 goals and 10 assists. That's not, that's not a thing that's particularly common. But to, to be fair, he's right, that, that you'd love to get that from that position. But he says, you know, that the reason he scored his first goal is kind of where we are, we need 15 and 10 from him. And he says, and he has the talent 
but he hasn't done it. Um, I think a lot of people are reading it very differently. Some people are like, he's basically backing him, saying he's got the talent, he can do it, we need to be patient, he'll get there. Some people are saying, he's basically saying that I've had to use an inexperienced 10 who doesn't have the goals and assists as part of why I haven't been able to achieve what I want. I'm curious if you feel that combined with the frustration about the miss qualifies as having thrown Smithrow under the bus or do you take a more charitable interpretation of the comments? Um, so at the time, I took a less charitable view of it. And uh, like in our instant reaction, my stock down was uh, Arteta's uh, pre- kind of uh, current press conferences and, and interviews. Like he needs to, he's generally pretty good at this communication stuff. And understandably, he's under a lot of pressure at the moment. And he looks like a cornered rat was the expression um, I threw out. He's looking way too defensive. And the problem when you're looking that defensive and talking about players or your squad is it's a very thin line. And when you look defensive, people take the more negative aspect of it. Um, and, and I think he need you know, he needs to protect Smith Rowe uh, in his comments from interpretation, right? Because you can read it either way and he shouldn't be hanging that out there. Um, I think in general, he's going into these uh, last few interviews with on his mind the fact that he doesn't have the squad he needs to have and that that he isn't being given the level of squad he needs. And he's trying to find ways of saying it. But once you drop in a, a player, like a name of somebody like Smith Rowe, who's a kid, like the, does anybody think he's underperformed in any department this year? Um, like even allowing, sorry, getting an incoming call there. Which, I love the so, ringtone though. Is that is that like a samba a samba dance or a? No, it's or, the uh, theme from the uh, from Archer. Oh, even better. Yeah, that's why it, love you it. love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, so like, he shouldn't have scored more goals. He shouldn't have created more. There's nothing Emil Smith Rowe should have done more of this year. He has overperformed. Uh, for anybody of any age, really, uh, short of being Kevin De Bruyne. Um, so he's just, you know, you, you drop Willian into the conversation, that's one thing. You drop in one of the kids, you got to be super careful how you phrase it. So I don't know that he really was trying to hang him out to dry, but you can't be defensive, be talking about the failings, implicitly the failings of your squad even if you're couching it with, we, you know, we must be patient, which he threw in at some stage. No, you don't have to be patient with Smith Rowe. There's nothing to be patient about. He's, he's giving us everything we want and more. He has a valid point that the, the squad needs depth and we, we shouldn't have had to rely on Smith Rowe and Saka. Um, they should be fighting for play. I mean, we're delighted with how it's come along. We wouldn't want to see Saka getting last minutes, but he could probably do with a few last minutes. He could probably do with players to learn from, which was the idea with Willian. Um, you know, there is a point to be made, but don't, I understand why he's looking defensive, but don't. And if you're feeling defensive and on the ropes, be careful which names you include in your conversations. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, Clive, I mean, I, I don't want to shut you out of this. I think I think everybody's kind of got an eye towards this because I, you start to build a case of how he's handled some of the young players. I mean, look, he's obviously loved Saka and used him a lot. He's obviously loved Smith Rowe based on how he's used him. But some of the comments, some of the frustration, his 
his tendency to want to use experienced players when he can. Some of the comments about things he needs to go out, there was there were rumors circulating saying he wants an experienced central defender in the summer. Um, I think, you know, the way Nelson has fallen out of favor and to the point of not being a thing that exists, that we're convinced exists. Eddie and Kedia, what's happened there? Um, you know, driving away some other young players. I think there is there's a bit of a, a case starting to be built, and that case may be more ad hoc and coincidental than it is accurate. But do you do you get a sense that these are pointed comments that Arteta is sort of saying, I needed more experience in that position? Yeah, I thought it was clumsy. Um, the wording was clumsy, but, you know, um, I think he, he did say he has been phenomenal. That's what his words. He's been phenomenal. The, the reporter asked him, he scored his first Premier League goal, how do you feel about that? And it's like, he went, he's been phenomenal, but the fact he's our second number 10 and he scores his first goal, that sort of tells you where we are. That's exactly what he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he said he's phenomenal. That's not a critique of Smith right? That's just where we are in our cycle. That's him saying, by the way, guys, I'm in a bit of a project here. Give me a bit. I need more time. That's where we are. The difference is he hasn't done it yet. The difference was it really and that he has done it and he's not doing it. Do you see what I mean? I think it's more critique of, of Willian, if anything. When William put that ball in the top corner, I didn't see too many smiles coming from Arteta. He sort of flashed to him and he was sitting there thinking, cheers, mate. Do you know what I mean? Literally, beautiful free kick. Right on time. <laughs> right, right on time, Willie. <laughs> and I put my well, I put my reputation on the line for you and you, and you turn up in May. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going through a number of things right now around his decision-making, um, decisions that work for him, decisions that haven't. And I will go back to Boxing Day. When I saw Smith throwing that team selection, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And I don't think many of us selected him that day. I was angry. I was worse than shocked. Yeah. I was angry because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and when he came out there and they produced that performance, we were all spell. We were like, oh, my goodness, where does that come Stunned. from? Stunned, yep. You know, and, and then it got me thinking, well, actually, was, it, was he really unlucky that Smith was out for three months with a shoulder injury? Was that his intention to play him a lot more? We were talking about creativity, the lack of creativity, playing two strikers up top, in the back three, no one in the hole. We had three months talking about that. The moment this guy could put one step in front of the other, he's in the team against Chelsea. I'm thinking, you're mad, what are you doing? And bang, it all it all turned around from there for three months on until Tini broke down, right? So um so I don't I think he's a huge fan of this player, always speaks highly of him. At the moment, it's washing machine time. Anything he says at the moment is going to be critiqued. Just got to win football matches, mate. Got to make good decisions, win football matches, and people will listen to you. The moment you don't, every word's going to get pulled apart. Mm. Every decision is going to get pulled apart. This is what we do. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And, I mean, look, I think Smith Rowe's ceiling, his upside, is, is as high as you want to talk about, as long as he can stay fit. I mean, he is... He's a little bit older than Saka, but in terms of his experience in the squad, he's far behind him. I mean, when you actually look at how many Premier League starts the guy's made, it's stunning how little he's played and how good he is and how influential he is. I think he's going to be sensational. Um, I I think it's a bit interesting. Do we know if Odegaard was fit for this game by any chance? Was there any word on that? He was on the bench. He was on the bench. I don't think he's been fit since that international break and... Yeah, because my only reason for right. raising it is, yeah, I mean, that that has not worked out at all. And and I mean, I, I realize he's had a bit of an injury and he played on Thursday, but like you would think if there's any decision to be made about this player coming up and how much we want to spend on him, 
you'd want to get as many last looks at him as possible to really decide where we are on that front. Maybe that ship has sailed. I don't know. And that, that could be, I could be playing 3d chess there. And what would you do? What would you do? Would you take him? Well, so here, I mean, I, we're going to have a pot about who we'd take, but what I would say is this, like, I think this is where Arteta not necessarily having a number one first choice system is hard for me because I think if we're going to play the 4-3-3 and we're going to have a couple of eights, I'd go after someone like Buendia. I'd go after someone like Awar and I'd play them alongside a Smith-Rowe. I don't know that Odegaard is as right for that system, but if we're going to play a 4-2-3-1 and that middle position is more of a, a free 10, for lack of a better way to, to phrase these things, I think Odegaard can still develop into an excellent player there. I think... As high as we were on him early, we may have been too high, but as low as some people are on him now, we're too low. So, well, let's move into this discussion because I think this is the issue. Paul, we're going to have to figure out how to to operate this summer to try to build this squad to something that doesn't finish ninth. There are a lot of people that think this is all on the manager, and there are a lot of people that think the squad is finishing roughly where it belongs, and it's a dead squad. I think, as usual, the truth is somewhere between the two. Since Boxing Day, we've been roughly the fourth-best team in the league which suggests the squad is good enough to be fourth over a season, in my view. So uh, in, in one respect, that's no excuse for Arteta because he's clearly piloted us to the fourth best results since Boxing Day. And what went before that was not really justifiable, but also it's... That'll it's, teach him. Well, yeah, that'll teach him to do <laughs> right. But to be fair, yeah, that'll teach him to improve results and take the pressure back on himself. But to be fair, he didn't have Odegaard, he didn't have Smith Rowe. I guess what I'm saying is... I think we all kind of agree where the needs are. We need a permanent solution at 10 or 8, depending on the system. We need another central midfielder. He's talked about wanting a center back, which, please, God, someone tell him he can't have a center back. But, like, who do you trust to spend the money this summer? He was asked, will you have a sizable amount of money to spend this summer? And he kind of nodded, which I was shocked at. I mean, who knows what sizable means? But, you know, maybe the, maybe the Cronkies understand they're on unstable footing in terms of the fan base to say it as... Uh, judiciously impossible, um, and they need to fix this. We can't afford to be without Europe for many more seasons. But how and who do you trust to take a big transfer budget this summer and not wind up getting it wrong? Because, you know, giving a, us 100 million pounds to spend on more Williams won't help. So where do you stand on this potentially big budget and who should have the right to spend it? We don't even really know what system we're trying to build towards yet. Yeah, so I think the Cronkies need to and will put money in because they want, they want to stay in the European spots and they want to be able to hang with the Glazers when the moves come. And you can't do that if you're stuck down in the 8th or ninth or 7th. They need to become a European force and, and to get back into that. So there will be money there is my theory. Um, otherwise, you know, they've... They bought one club and they'll end up with a totally different club. And that's not what they want. Um, so what was the question? <laughs> who's, uh, who's who's spent, I mean, because the problem yeah, is, right? Like, Edu. none of us are sure if we trust Adu. None of us know what well, Vinay does. We're not sure if we totally trust Arteta. And we don't know what footballing system we're building towards. So how do you, yeah. how do you allocate the well, resources? <laughs> sure. Edu has to step up. And my hope is that he will step up. I mean, we've kind of have him down as being Arteta's lapdog. But that may be something of a relic of the transition from being under Raul last year, who then gets the boot, gets fired. So you don't want to be too closely. If you think of the interviews last summer, it was Arteta who was in the strong position with the supporters. He just won the FA Cup. Things were on the up. We were improving. So you sit Edu beside him and you say, hey, these guys work really close together. 
in brackets, that's why we didn't fire, fire Edu when we fired Raul. <coughs> um, and so they kind of beefed up Edu's profile with Arteta, leaning on Arteta. Ironically, you know, I, I wouldn't say Edu, Edu's stock is particularly high right now, but Arteta's even lower right now. So there's an opportunity for Edu either way and the need for him to establish his own identity. Um, like this guy was an invincible. Um, he's been, he was a force as a, as a director of football in Brazilian football. He was a force for their national team. He has his, his own ego. His, like either he's crap, in which case we're in trouble either way, or he's actually a reasonably intelligent guy with good sources, a good approach, a good philosophy. And it's not going to be Arteta's. So this is the summer we find out if he's got cojones, if he has a mind, if he has a plan, um, and if he can step up. So uh, I don't know if he can, but this is his summer. This is his opportunity. Mm. And he's the guy, like, we don't know if Arteta is going to be here in a year's time. He's probably going to be here for another four, five, six months and then hopefully he get he gets things on the right track. We start playing good football. People get behind him, and he goes on to have a decent managerial career at Arsenal. But either way, our Edu needs to be selecting players not just for Arteta's Arsenal, but for the medium and long term for Arsenal. So when he buys a player, um, it's the right player for Arsenal and Arteta, not the right or the player Arteta demanded. So. We'll mm. find out. Yeah. Clive, do you have a thought on that? I mean, it's, it, it's all about trust, mate. You can't, you can't afford, trust. let's agree with this, right? You can't afford to blow it, right? You can't afford to buy a 30 year old center back for 25 million and a, another winger for 30. Like you, we can't get this wrong again because eventually you get it wrong enough and enough resources are put in the wrong places that you essentially lock yourself into the position you're in instead of elevating yourself yeah. out of it. It's all, it's all about trust of the individuals in the club. And, and let's be honest, we don't trust them. You know, we don't fully trust them. Some people trust them more than others. We've got a young exec, we've got a young coaching team, and they're about to embark on the most – the biggest transfer window I can remember. And it's going to happen because contracts lengths are telling us it's going to happen. Right? So we've got lots of people coming to one year, people on loan, People, lots of rumours about people going, for once, I always say it's going to be a big summer, but for once I think it is going to be a big summer. So it has to be that way. But And we, we're we asking people that we don't fully trust to make all the right football decisions. We can only base that on recent history, and recent history has been quite 50-50, probably worse than that. But in Edu's reign it's, and Arteta's reign, it's probably been 50-50. You know, for, for Gabriel, there's a Cedric. You know what I mean, and um, and so people don't. Some people don't like Gabriel, but I personally do. You know, so uh, for, for I didn't love Cardi him when he did. was running backwards. You know, backtracking and backtracking and backtracking for their goal. I, I, I do like him. But yeah. aren't you yeah. supposed to drop off? 
I, I don't know. Beats yeah. me. I'm not a center yeah. back. I just didn't love yeah. it. <laughs> I have the same problem. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I'm not sure why Tobias is pointing him to the left-hand corner when there's no runner on the outside, which completely flummoxed him. But let's, you know, we'll look at that goal, goal again. Well, it, it was just, it was easier than running back to actually track him, which he clearly didn't see. <laughs> he, he did kind of hit it perfectly, like a- anywhere else. And that, Double oh, it's, it's a great finish, corner. but he probably shouldn't get into the box unmolested. At that Should point. we sign that boy? Sorry to get off track. <laughs> yeah, or am I on track? No, I took us off track by by the the mention of Gabriel and then moved us onto the game, which nobody cares about. So back to you, Clive. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, when we we talk about summer transfers, I've got a view. If if you look at the the team, I think we lack fear factor and I think we lack physicality. I think we lack speed. I think we lack one-on-one ability in, in defensively and going forward. The players that we like, or the players that I like, <laughs> maybe I should say, are, are quite good at that. You know, they're they're intelligent. Someone like Smith Rowe, Saka, one on one, really good. Pepe, one on one, not bad. People that want to control their area, do their jobs. I, I like that. I, I I do like these sort of players. People who play personality for the show. You know, University Smith Rowe's performance against Villarreal was exactly what we need. That's an Arsenal player. So we need to add the things that are missing. Know, and I don't think we're stable enough as a team. I think we're too easily run. And I don't think we're devastating enough as an attacking force. And the amount of home goals we scored is it's a disgrace. It really is. And so the data's there for you to make these changes. And if you see this stuff, you've got to say to yourself, is this coachable or do I need to change the personnel? For me, you've got to change the personnel. And I don't care if the manager's there or not. If the manager's there, that's fine. Coaches come and go. It didn't bother me. But the players are what hold they hold our dreams. And they really do. And when you look at the when I look at all these statistics and they come up on Sky, it says like most crosses, most defenses, most tackles. There's no Arsenal players anywhere near it. You've got middle of the road statistics, middle of the road players. The best players are the younger players for us because they hold our dreams and they can't fail. The older players are not doing it. And the middle of the road players in that twenty five when we get to a situation where we're resting Rob Holding for a European game and he's the captain of our team, Rob Holding's a fine player. He should be third or fourth centre-back at Arsenal if he's lucky. For me, he should be at Newcastle 20 mil. See you later. The fact he's wearing the captain's armband tells you that the standard has fallen for me. Right? To the me, he's a bad player or anything like that. I think he's fine. But that shouldn't be where we're at. Not with our resources, not with our wage bill, not with what we do. So we've made multiple bad decisions and we need to get it right. We cleared out in January, cleared out the unsaleables and paid them off with a Bank of England loan. Now we've got people who we can sell and we need to do it. And I don't care who it is, we just need to do it and recycle and renew. And that's what we need to do, to lift our ability to compete, to lift our floor up. Is too much inconsistency. Now, some of this is down to the coach as well. He needs to settle down. So, Ellie, you keep talking about a system. I'm not sure. I'm generally not sure what your system is. Is it a 4-3-3 as everyone thinks it is? When we do that 4-3-3, we're not doing it with two eights. We're doing it with two tens. And that was what was exposed to us last mm. week. We played two tens high. We had nothing in midfield. It's not two eights. It isn't two eights. You can say party's an eight. You know, someone like Basuma's a six. You need you need you need that level of compactness. Look how Liverpool's midfield three. They don't play two tens. If we if we three. went for Basuma, would that suggest to you that four two three one is the way forward, or do you think that it could be four three three with with Party being a little more advanced? 
you know, imagine a midfield three, you know, just for just for argument's sake, right? Imagine a midfield three of Basuma, Party, and Smith Rowe. It sort of works. You have a carrier, a third man loose, who looks after the ball. There's someone that sits in front and someone who can progress by passing or or, or um, carrying it. And you have someone, you have two people that are quite destructive that can create transitions. That's a balanced midfield. Liverpool do it the other way around. They go completely shot suppressing. You have three people that work really hard in to allow the fullback to be wide creators. Right? So Man City tend to do it with. Um, They've gone more of a 4-2-3-1, but when they've got good possession, Gunnigan goes straight in front of um, Rodri, and it's 1-1. Do you know what I mean? And so then they progress to play that way, Bernardo on one side, Foden the other, and De Bruyne down the middle. They do it that way. You know, so they go, they put two in front when they're, when, they're, when they're out of possession, and they go 1-1 that way, and tuck fullbacks in, whichever side, whether it's Cancelo or Shinshenko, they tuck them in, whichever side they're playing. And so... There's just different ways to do it. So I don't, I'm not, I, I'd like to see a 4 2 3 1 because it just sort of makes sense based on what I've seen. Arteta's first game is a 4 2 3 1. I think he's a 4 2 3 1 coach. I'm not sure he's a 4 3 3 coach. Maybe he'll get there. And if he does get there, now's the time to do it. Mm. He needs to buy those specific players to play that role, to play that game. So is it going to be a Man City system with, with more creators, with 1 6? Or is it going to be a shot suppressing Liverpool midfield? with three dogs that can really progress and press and make sure people don't get out of their half. We're not sure, right? So um, me personally, I like a 4-2-3-1. I like to see Basuma come in. I like to see a, a front four. We can move, rotate. I like a fullback pushing one side and tucking one fullback in. That's what I like. Um, mm. But hey, look, I can change in a flip of a switch. The players dictate what you really are good at. And, that just, and that's what we're waiting to see, what players arrive. Yeah, I mean, look, the problem I think we have sometimes when we discuss mistakes in the market and errors that are made is that no one error kills you. I mean, it, it can, I guess, but that's not traditionally how it works. It's the aggregate of all the little errors that destroy value and damage the squad and, and reduce your flexibility. Willian doesn't kill you, but Willian plus Cedric plus not selling guys you could have sold last summer plus re-signing Aubameyang that you know restricts your cash and you go on and on and all the little mistakes add up and eventually you find yourself in a situation where the squad is flawed and resources have gone to bad places and asset value has been destroyed. There's going to be other big questions. What happens with Willick, Maitland-Niles, Inkedia, Nelson, Saliba, Genduzzi? These are all difficult issues to resolve and we're going to learn a lot this summer. The thing that scares me is we'll either learn that these guys are a lot more competent than we've given them credit for, and they will make moves that really do look like good process, like a reversal of some of the bad process, and get us moving in the right direction. Or there is a scenario where they don't particularly get it right, and we're already sitting ninth and out of Europe, and you wonder how easy it would be to sort of calcify us into this no-man's land if we continue to get it wrong, and it feels very finely balanced. So it be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think we'll try to do a live stream ahead of the Chelsea game midweek so we can talk a little bit about that one at that time and we'll have uh, Patreon content tomorrow. So thank you again for everyone. Um, this is kind of a difficult game to analyze, right? Because it's sort of a nothing game and there are bigger issues on the horizon, but I feel like it's a little too early to discuss those. So we're sort of in the in-between space where we're in the 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 place between two, the, the purgatory of football analysis, but we will we'll be out of there soon enough. And the game midweek feels like a big game to me, so that, that could be a fun one to talk about. So I think we should leave it there. Uh, if you want to give us a review, again, we'll, we'll pick one out next week and send some shirts out. And just thanks so much for doing that. Pause on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause.
Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. Please block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Very important. Very, very important. Do do lose the run of myself there. Don't want you thinking that that's really who I am, this this crazy, enraged person. So best best to block. Uh, but most importantly, we, we love you. Thank you for being here. We're going to do uh, a really, really deep dive on the squad rebuild when the season ends, and I've got some really fun guests um, sort of from behind the scenes and in the industry, people that deal with transfer dealings and things like that who are going to come on, talk to us. we got some guys on the media who are close to all the rumors, some guys in the analytics community that talk a little bit about player value. So I hope you'll stick with us for that because I think that could be some really interesting stuff. But first, we got to get through these crunch three remaining Premier League games, try to climb our way up to seventh. By the way, if seventh gets us Europa League, uh, someone please let me know because I don't think I can make heads or tails of the uh, UEFA rules on that. So we'll see. In any event, stay safe. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Chelsea nil. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.